I've already talked a lot today, but you know we can continue to talk. I feel like this isn't much different. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clinton will be joining us in a second. He's connected, but uh, I don't think we can hear him just yet. I was going to say, until the Clinton Yates portion of this begins, it is essentially just a continuation of what we've show. been doing. Yeah. I actually do want to get Clinton's take as you know one of the baseball folks around here and a big Dodger guy. His take on who the face of the Dodgers is, like in this upcoming season, because I, I just think it's a it's a really interesting question when you're bringing in Otani, you're bringing in Yamamoto, like all these different faces. In the case of Otani, there there's both the secrecy and the you know does not like to reveal much of anything about himself, whether personal life, personality, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know there's there's the language barrier, which is fine, except from a marketing standpoint, it creates interesting challenges. I don't know Yamamoto, like if he requires a translator, um, prefers a translator or anything like that, but like who the, who the face of the organization is from a branding standpoint and also like a leadership standpoint or just who you Different think questions. Of, the, yeah, they are. Right. The face of the organization is Shohei Otani. The voice of the organization is probably Mookie Betts, or Freddie Freeman. Dave Roberts. Or Dave Roberts. But like in terms of players. But like the, the voice is going to be somebody else. But that's the un- face is Otani. But that's unusual. It, it's unusual to have it where your face and your voice, not only are different people, but the odds of them ever being the same person are really low. Right. And that isn't to say that like Otani won't take on a leadership role no. in the clubhouse and those kinds of things. But he just won't be... Or he won't do interviews, or he won't do. But like, I don't think he's going to be the forward-facing voice of right. And, the fr- and of again, the I want to make it clear: I'm not saying this is a bad thing no. at all. I think it's interesting because it's it's unusual in in terms of the way teams market stars, and it's also unusual in the sense of clock uh, clubhouse locker room dynamics and how they translate in front of media and in mm-hmm. front of fans. Like, it's just. It's very different. It's it's neither good nor bad. I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, just the, the the face is always the biggest star, but usually you just you know go back to basketball, go back to um, you know football. It's your quarterback. It's like you know like your stars tend to just be in a position where they're also going to be the voice because they have the most responsibility, they get the most attention. You know, they're going to be asked the questions, even though you know a lot of the leadership may come from different people. Um, you know, they make you know the, the the voices that matter the most in a locker room or in a clubhouse may not be the the voice that you see most on TV. Yeah, it, it's also it's interesting to see just where a lot of the leadership dynamics come through. And you know, I remember like when we used to cover the Dodgers in in the mid two thousands, like you know there would be sections of the of the clubhouse that were largely speaking with each other in English and then sections that were largely speaking with each other in Spanish. And you could see in the clubhouse, Rafael Fercal was, I think, one of the leaders of the team, period. Mm -hmm. But he was absolutely the leader among the Spanish-speaking players. Like, there was no question. Like, you would see him often holding court and guys very intently listening to everything he had to say and a lot of times you know in, in, you know baseball being such a multinational game you know even you know even the the spanish-speaking players come from different countries and different cultures and they, you know it's not just like one country right. where 
And so like a lot of times you have players who serve as bridges between, or maybe you're an English speaking, a, a native English speaker, an American player who speaks Spanish. And so you, you, know, you get these bridge players too to help make sure that your clubhouse isn't fragmented. And then there are, you know, who was it that we, we used to cover the, the player that like spoke with an interpreter or whatever, but very clearly spoke English. <laughs> it's like, just like, yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you're saying. And like, I, and can, we could sit down and have a conversation. I'm just going to use my interpreter for, you know, like there, a lot of times guys particularly have been in, in, you know, an American professional league for a while. Their English is just fine. They just, I would too. Yeah. They get kind of the benefits of, 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 you know, having, you know, being from another part of the world. Yeah. It's just going to be really interesting, I think, to see just the clubhouse dynamics shape in terms of leadership, in terms of personality, and then how the Dodgers go about marketing Otani and Yamamoto, I think is going to be really interesting to watch because, particularly in the case of Otani, you know, marketing often. Marketing often comes down to personality, particularly mm -hmm. when you're talking about athletes in sports. And Otani is somebody that has gone out of his way to avoid showing his personality and really showing anything about him at all. So, so it's one be person, fascinating to watch. One person that doesn't mind showing their personality is our friend and yours, Clinton Yates. I am Clinton. As overlord, all will kneel trembling before me and obey my brutal commands. End communication. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, gang? How are we doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, you know, just been taking in a lot of baseball news over the past couple days. Uh, it's been uh, it's been quite a lot, to be very honest. But um, on a better note, my dad was in town for an entire week, and that was about as fantastic as an experience that I've had all calendar year. Not even going to lie. Is he a baseball guy like you? Uh, I wouldn't say he's a baseball guy like me. He is a season ticket holder for the Nats back in D.C. He wasn't until... Like, I was an adult, but he likes the game. I wouldn't say he loves the game like I do, no. But he uh, he used to live in San Diego when I was a child. And I, like, my first actual sentient memories, I was telling the story before, of, like, living life are when I was in Southern California in San Diego. So we went back down there, visited a bunch of his friends that he used to work with, tried to find his old apartment, which we figured was probably raised by now. But we had a really good time. And uh, Southern California, man, made a little tour this weekend. It was fantastic. Well, last weekend. It was fantastic. Has he spent a lot of time in L.A.? Say it again? Has he spent a lot of time in L.A.? I wouldn't say a ton. Um, he liked it because, you know, I live close, close to the beach. Mm -hmm. And part of this was a big sort of relaxation effort for him. So he was really into, like, the whole hotel uh, sort of pool experience, which, which is always great because, like, dude, I mean, you know what the temperature is like on the East Coast right now, bro? It is awful. So, like, it was really good for him to be able to get away because he was like, I do not want to be cold for this whole week of the time. So, came out here, had a blast. It was really awesome. Now, am I correct? Did you get him not just mentioned, but was there actual FaceTime on Around the Horn with him? Oh, yeah, buddy. Pops made the tube. I mean, it made sense. Like, I was talking about something that related to D.C. I brought my dad up as part of the conversation because he's a big part of my upbringing and why I like sports at all. And what was funny about it is that he didn't really realize what was going on because if any of you have ever sat in on a taping of Around the Horn, basically you use an earpiece. And the earpiece means that if somebody's sitting in the room with you, they can't hear what's going on. You see? So 
when I was like, hey, Pop, come here, get on the camera, he was just sort of doing what I asked him to do, and he could see everybody, and he just waves. He didn't know what really happened until we watched it on TV later. Well, he watched it by himself later because I had to go to the Otani presser randomly, and he was with my buddies, and he watched it at the bar, and they were all like, hey, big TV guy. It was a really fun moment. So Yeah, yeah. I don't remember exactly what the context was, but there was something where Brian and I were doing radio, and our dad, our dad and mom happened to be in town, <laughs> And they happened to be able to, it might have been a remote, but attend this thing while we were on on air. Yeah. It was so awesome for them to see in person. Like, they're aware of what we do in the same way your dad is aware of what you do. Sure. But actually being able to see their kids do this thing is pretty amazing for them. It's it's a totally different experience. And my favorite part of the whole deal was, so beforehand, I was going to make up and I was like, Pop, sit in the chair. Put on the earpiece, put on the mic, and when you see Woody, say hello. And so my dad and Woodrow, Woody Page, for those of you who have watched Around the Horn for many years, I mean, they're basically, you know, contemporaries. So, like, they were talking, you know, just sort of making friends, and Woody said a couple of really nice things, and I wasn't even in the room. So that was a really cool part of it is that not only – did he get to see me doing something? He got to talk to a couple other people that he had grown to be a fan of over the years of watching the show. So, yes, completely fulfilling experience. And, you know, as guys that get to do things that I would say relatively we like, you know what I'm saying, AK, for the most part, like we enjoy our jobs. It's cool to be able to see your parents, to have your parents be able to see you do that. And this isn't the first time, but it's the first time he came to L.A. to see me do it. So, yo, absolute blast. We were talking earlier about the excitement with Yamamoto and it being really unique in the sense that it's something that has Dodger fans just through the roof and, you know, baseball fans in general. Like, it's exciting to see a pitcher like Yamamoto end up with an organization like the Dodgers, but it's unique in the sense that none of us have really seen him play before. Um, like, it's, it reminded me a little bit of the way the excitement built about women Yama yeah. you know, coming over from France. Like, how familiar, if at all, are you with Yamamoto? So, coming up later, once we start the show with Corporate Greg, I've got some sound from somebody who did play with him, who's talked Ooh. about this. So, a little tease there it? for you who guys. Bringing original content to the table, because that's what I do. Um, I think it's a matter of this. I think it's a matter of whether or not who he is as a pitcher is going to fit into the needs of the Dodgers in basic, in-game, situational baseball with this team trying to win games. I don't think it's a matter of his stuff translating. I don't think it's a matter of whether or not the guy's going to be able to handle the moment. I think it's just a matter of is the routine going to work for him in the same way for a team that week in and week out, you know, because the, the schedule's a little bit different than in Japanese baseball, is trying to win as many games as possible. And you add on that pressure element, too. I think that's a bigger thing. I'm not worried about the command. I'm not worried about his ability. I'm worried about whether or not this is all going to work because there's a lot of moving parts from a chemistry standpoint with what that Dodger staff is right now for sure. But they got a lot of time to figure it out. Like, they, like their team is yeah. so good. Um that like even like I th- last year we were, we were noting this earlier, they were playing stretches of the season where dudes were pitching that like even Greg, who you guys you know going deep yeah. into the farm system, you know every prospect and you like you're doing your podcast. Who's this guy? Say, who the hell is that? Like yeah. why? Where did they find this person? To like, that point, I had no idea who Emmett Sheehan was until he was actually pitching in the. I right kept leagues. calling him Ed Sheeran in my head. Like, <laughs> right. it's like, no, 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 and I get it. I guess what I'm saying is my only worry would be that I'm not implying that I'm somehow worried about Yamamoto coming to the Dodgers. Oh, sure. I just and my, my only point there is like you know there will be these like 
rough moments. Like they're going to have a stretch where they lose three games in a row in a hundred and sixty two games. Not season. acceptable. Completely people unacceptable. Are gonna, people are gonna lose their minds. But you know, th- I'm joking, last Clinton. year I'm not. Last year <laughs> they they won a hundred games with a team that was like filled with nobody anybody had ever heard of and Max Muncie hitting like one twelve from like half the year. Right. He like, still had thirty five home runs. But like so like they can make this work and you know if Yamamoto needs they need to adjust things to get, like, get him more comfortable. They need to do whatever if somebody gets hurt and you need an extra day. Like they can do all of these things. Yeah, no, there's a lot of layers. Um I, I'm not worried about them being successful. It's just a matter of whether or not you know, I mean, let's be real here. You guys talk about championship or bust all the time. I mean, sure, great. Win 100 games. Go go for it. I, I hope that works out. You know, it's just a matter of what type of baseball they're going to be able to play and whether or not, you know, because, again, going into last season, there was already a question about the arms. Now, it's not the question in terms of the same kind of thing injury-wise. It's just let's see what it is. There's still very much an you know, a figuring out moment of who is actually going to settle into which spots in the rotation and where. And I think those are reasonable questions. That's the whole point of what spring training is for. That's the whole point of what the offseason is for. And for sure. baseball is just so stupid that, like, you could get into October and some random dude on the Diamondbacks is going to throw, like, <laughs> the game of his life and all of a sudden you lose one to nothing. And, like, you know, it, it, baseball is really stupid in that way. Like, that's why they're not going to win And then the Otani-Yamamoto era is a bust. <laughs> it's a bust. No, stop it. Well, and the play- I'm sure we'll get more was- into that, but I am I am curious to ask Greg about what his thoughts are regarding regarding something I talk about all the time, which is expectation management. You know, that's a real thing. Oh, we're going to talk expectation management because I know what your man- expectations are and what you think mine are, so we'll get deep into that. I, I have sure. no idea. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. I'm a journalist, buddy, not a lawyer. I don't ask questions. I oh, already I know, know the answer. I know your answer. That's what I'm saying. No, you don't. I think the bare <laughs> I minimum. Of- I know that you know that I know. I know that, that you know. No, you don't know. I'm That's aware. why we're going to talk. We've about had it. these conversations. I object. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's the bare minimum of World Series that they need to win with in the ten years of Otani is eight. Wow. Eight in ten years. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And That's when it the happens, bare minimum. All sweeps. They, they <laughs> probably to really make this a success, they need to win twelve. In 10, 10, in years. 10 years. Yep. They have to win Very the well. WBC Well, they have well. to win the ISD. They have to play right. together. They definitely need to win the <laughs> ISD. They have to win the yes. ISD. you got to hang that band. I that think has to happen. a couple Sugar Bowls would be good if they could win that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's definitely something that's going to be broken down sure. by Bergman and Clinton during Mason and Ireland. Super Crosstalk brought to you by In-N-Out. Always fresh and made to order at In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. <laughs> See everyone next time. Mason and Ireland, 710 ESPN. That's coming up. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah! Ah! Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's going on, guys? What's so, happening, CY? Quickly, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. First of all, we had what's known as the Comrex scramble beforehand. So for those of you who like behind-the-scenes stuff, just know that it was by the hair of our chins that I got on. But what's going on with the video chat? Is that happening? What's happening? Yeah, so yes. did, do you have the link? Is I have the you? link. I've joined the link. It says waiting for others to join. I don't yeah. know if I have the right link. I don't know what's so going on. So did we add four minutes in between shows, Brian? I wore a Christmas shirt specifically for uh, this. Uh, that's See, my bad. So, yeah, so we normally add four minutes so we can have enough time to get the YouTube stream up because we forgot to today, which is totally fine. So it will be up shortly, and then you can wear, you can show off your Christmas sweater. I didn't just but show see, it off. I was just trying to be in the spirit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Dang. And it's appreciated. But by the way, Clint, this is why you connect before three seconds before the show starts. Hey, man, Ooh. you're the PD, buddy. I'm trying my best, all right? <laughs> well, well, I'm on. telling you, you gotta, <laughs> give us five minutes. Hey, listen. Made an, made an attempt. We're here, though. What's We're going here. on? That's all that matters. And you know? it's up now. And so now I can actually see you on the YouTube. Not I, currently. I see myself on I YouTube. I still can't. Okay. Well, I'm just going to look at it and assume you can see me. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Right. You can see my microwave. So what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. I was just talking about my dad was in town. That was really cool. Um, he was a really good guy. I, it was nice meeting him. I really enjoyed him. Yeah, no. He really connected back to the soil. Like I said, when I was a little kid, and this is sort of an off-tangent story, but he used to record <laughs> he used to record tapes of me. I told the story before before he came. He used to record tapes of me like talking, trying to tell stories to my grandfather and various stories he would read me. So, I we ended up looking for a tape player, which was a whole other adventure, driving around looking for his apartment. He was like, "Where are we going to find a cassette player, bro? First of all, it's 2023. Second of all, neither one of us live here. What are we going to do?" Well, obviously go to Radio Shack, right? Cuz not a lot quite. Of Radio Shack there's does not still exist. But what we did, Greg, <laughs> is we went to Best Buy and I was like, "Just wait here." And he was like, "You're not going to find a tape player at Best Buy." And I was like, "I know, but I'm going to find somebody who knows where one is." And so we went in. I asked the first dude that looked like, you know, Key and Peel where I could find me a cassette player. And the dude was like, oh, I know just the place. Told me this joint, went down there. It was some like kitschy little video game shop where they had dusty game cubes and all sorts of like nice. random old stuff. And I was like, dude, do you have a cassette player? He's like, ah, and he goes, actually, and this, I swear to God, this was like something out of a movie. He pulls it out from under the desk and he's like, some guy just came with this bang today. And it's like a case like a tape player in a case with a microphone, as in it's had his own suitcase, carrying case. So I bought that, and then and he, I thought he was going to shake me down for it because I was obviously so pressed, and he was like, 10 bucks. I was like, I'll give you 20, buddy. Thanks for just having this thing. And then we listened to the tapes, and it was a real interesting trip down memory lane, listening to my three-year-old self talk to my dad, who was then the age I am now in California 40 years ago. That's pretty, pretty cool. So that's yeah, like, pretty it's like a whole stuff. family thing. That's very cool. And yeah. to actually get that and look at you giving a little extra at the same time. See, give an extra 10 bucks, a little tip for him. Was it a fries? What? What? Was it a fries electronic store? So random. No, it was not a fries. It was <laughs> called. <That's> too. <laughs> it was called Brontosaurus Records. Red Brontosaurus oh, Records. That's an East Coast thing, probably. Yeah, in San Diego. Was it Sam Goody. Oh, San Diego. No, it wasn't. No, no, no. It was in San Diego. Sam Ash. Like, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't Sorry, anything. No, it was a one-off. I'm kidding. And I know, but that's why I was like, dude, I don't think this is gonna happen. And I was about to get real upset. And then this dude who looks like the guy behind the desk. Um, at the comic book store in The Simpsons was like, I got just what you need. Pulled that bad boy out. It was fantastic. I was really happy about that. As you should be. That's a well, cool, cool little story. Big, big day. So I've got like all these clips of me talking about like 
my grandfather and the TV shows he likes. If you want to hear them, they're on like IG and social and all that. But they're pretty funny. So you know, three year old me rocking the mic. You know, the so n- nice. So was that a Saturday? Was that when all oh, like the Shohei stuff went down? Has he been? When did he leave? Uh, he left two days ago. So he was here Wednesday to Wednesday. So okay. that overlapped last weekend. Yeah. Okay. So you know. so he wasn't here to see the Yamamoto Sony signing that happened <laughs> yesterday. No, he was not. So what was your thought on that? Because this is where we got to start off, right? We have to talk about this the huge deal that's when coming down for the Dodgers, this 12-year, $325 million deal for a pitcher that we haven't really seen but are very, very excited for. Um, my first thought was, you know, whenever you're signing a pitcher to anything more than 10 years, you're making a different kind of investment. And so that the 12-year number was the first number that, to me, struck me as very odd. Um, and I don't mean odd in a bad way, but just meaning like, wow, that's a lot of confidence in a guy um, just in general who you've never seen play or not even has never played, you know, saying in your system, but has never played in this country. So that, to me, was the first one. I think the second one was this is probably, for me, I don't want to say the best actual pickup of the offseason, but a lot of people looked at Otani and they said, well, hey, you're getting a potential two-way guy. You're obviously getting that bat. You're getting the star power. But extra bats is not necessarily what this team particularly needs to get over the hump for me. The arms question, as you know, Greg, we talked about it on Blue Review all the time, was always the bigger issue. And so anybody who is a pitcher, to me, is by definition a better pickup than a position player, even if that position player is arguably the best in the game. So that's where I was. I thought, okay, this makes sense. This is money that right now obviously sort of pays for itself in innings and potential strikeouts and just what you're able to do from a staff and you're you know, figuring that part out standpoint. So I, I like the move a lot in that regard. And uh, like I said, 12 years is a long time, but at least you know that the guy's going to be there and he's committed to the squad. Yeah, so 12 years is, uh, let's start there because 12 years, it almost seems like it had to happen that way. It's If you wanted him and it seemed like Shohei Otani wanted Yamamoto, he, he, he didn't give up $680 million deferred to get, Nobody. I mean, you got Tyler Glass now, and you're really happy about that. Sure. But the other part was, I think there might have been some part of it, like, I'm doing this for you. Otani's saying this. I'm going to do this for you. Now go get me what I want, and that's starting pitching. The best pitcher that's available is Yo- is uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Go get him. And he did it. And Andrew Freeman absolutely went out and, and got the guy that they wanted to. And so to get him, you needed to have 12 years. It's just what was happening. The, yeah. uh, the Yankees offered 10. The Mets offered 12 for 325 for the exact same amount. You bring him in, and also now and they, they did something, Clinton, that – is very Andrew Friedman-esque. After year six, six and eight, there are opt-outs. You have to wait six years to opt out, and then it all and there's back and it's kind of backloaded. So he's going to wait. If he opts out, he loses a lot of money. It, sure. it is very friendly to the Dodgers. So what that basically means is that it's effectively more of an eight-year contract in reality yep. than it's going to be a twelve-year contract, which is fine. I, I mean, look. Did the, I mean, I, I'm not going to pat the Dodgers on the back for winning a bidding war. That's that's fine. That's great. That's what you should do. But the question is whether or not this guy's, you know, whether or not it's going to work. Um, you know, and from a chemistry standpoint, it's interesting to see Shohei, who's already got clauses that mean that if he, you know, that have to do with personnel decisions in the front office, to see that he's already walking into that clubhouse and making an impact on the roster, to me, is as fascinating a story as anything that has to do with who the guy even is. You know what I mean? They are already team leaders on this squad, in Mookie, in Freddie, in other players that, 
I'm not going to say have been there longer, but a guy like a Will Smith comes to mind that have a little bit more equity in this thing. And to think that Otani's coming in and he's saying, hey, not only am I deferring my salary, but I'm getting my guys. The chemistry element is going to be the most fascinating part of this team because we already know they're going to be good, Greg. You know what I mean? Nobody's worried about that. The question is just whether or not how it's going to gel. And they got a lot of personalities. Dave has his biggest job yet this season, I would say, sir. Yeah, it is, probably is, and he's going to be on the hot seat because of it. Now, he wasn't linked to one of those people that Shohei said that if he goes, I go. It's very much that was Andrew Friedman and Mark Walter, and really they're not going anywhere. Andrew Friedman built this whole thing, and Mark Walter is the money behind the whole thing. So nobody's that's not going anywhere. So, but to your point of him coming in and trying to have to change the the culture, I mean, I think he just kind of fits in with them. He's actually coming in saying, "Look, I'm not here just for the money. I'm here to win. We are all going to win. I'm going to save my money to later, so we can have a better team now. For the next ten years, you have money to spend." Go make it happen. That's got to be actually feel good for the Dodger clubhouse instead of opposite. Like when Mookie Betts came in, he was a big personality that was coming in with a big personality of Justin Turner. Justin Turner ended up leaving. Freddie Freeman came in at, uh, with Mookie Betts, two big personalities. They can obviously all work together, and it seems like Shohei will just work right along with them. In yeah. my opinion, um, you know, we can talk about this more necessarily on the other side, but there is there's sort of a different element to the deferred money thing that I think a lot of people don't think about. And I don't want to be sort of overly cryptic about this, but the reason why and I can explain this further, why deferred money contracts are very sort of strange from a motivational standpoint is that. You know, like, yeah, Otani's deferring a lot of money to get more players, but at the same time, how do I say this? Like, it puts the it makes sure the money is always there, win or lose, and that's an attitude that not a lot not a lot of clubhouses necessarily and franchises necessarily want to make a regular thing in their franchises. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you come here, you get paid, whether or not we win anything or not, and it. I'm not going to say disincentivizes your desire to win, not remotely, but it is a little different when that few guys are making that much money and it doesn't really have anything to do with their results on the field. I mean, they're going to they're going to get be playing for championships every single year. I I mean, I see what you're saying, but I don't think next that, one will be the first one with this group of players, Greg. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, well, it's, they haven't won since 2020, but p- t- teams don't win. But I'll tell you, tell you this: they pretty much have to win this first year. I think it is a very well, imperative they win this year, but it, over the 10 year period is a different story. You, you really think this year is the year that it's got to happen or think, what, or what think, Dave gets fired? I don't know if Dave gets fired because it's, I, don't, I don't think Andrew Freeman will fire him at this point anymore. Okay, I think so he's just connected. Okay, so what's the or what then? Or, I mean, it could be. Look, if they, if they go out in the first round, are you not firing Dave? I'm 100% calling for his head again. If they go on the first round with all this that they have and all the all the money okay. that they spend, Glasnow, they bring in so many guys. And they're still, I'll tell you this also, they're not done yet. More is coming down. Well, I'm just trying to understand the difference between, I mean, okay, if they don't, you said they have to win this year. And then when you said, when I said, or what, you said if they go out in the first round, what if they don't go out in the first round? If they go to the World Series and it all all depends, right? This team is built to win championships. So championships are expected and they were expected for the last eight to 10 years. That's, it's been every single year. Now, this year, by bringing in Otani, the best hitter in the game, probably, and what they have and the amount of money they spend over a billion dollars on two players, not even including Glasnow, you have a much larger expen- uh, expectation, and that's to win this yeah, but year. That's, 
Go ahead, Laura. So my thing, because I, I was, you know, I was thinking, I was like, how do we change that narrative, Greg? Because that's been the narrative for the past, to your point, eight years. Like, this is a year because we have so-and-so. And then it's like, now it's like, well, now we're, you know, a billion dollars in. So now it has to be this year. So who's gone if that, is it really it's, Dave? Because they haven't Dave. let go of Dave. Right. There's a cry wolf element here to that discussion, which is what I'm asking you. Like, I'm not asking you. What happens if they get blown out in the first round? I'm asking you what happens if they don't win the World Series. Do you think he still deserves to be fired because you're putting this expectation on him at the beginning of the year? I think if they don't get to where they need to go, there a lot of it will be, will be pointed at the What does that mean, get to where they need to go? Winning a championship. That's what okay, that means. Okay, so you're saying that you're firing Dave Roberts without a championship. I wanted to fire season. Dave Roberts before the season started. They got Shohei Otani. He's obviously staying. If he doesn't win, yes, I'm saying you still fired Dave Roberts. Wow. He should not. He has been been in the playoffs a disappointment they have only have one championship now the 2017 obviously is not their fault but the fact of the matter is they only have one win in where they have been destroying everybody in the regular season and faltering in the playoffs at some point a different voice is needed and if he's not one of the guys that Otani said I'm it's me or him it's he's got to go if there's a, if there's a loss there are the, that expectation is a real thing hmm. okay wow yeah, that's exactly my words. Wow. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, wow. I mean, I, I just don't know that with the additions the Dodgers have made so far that that strikes me as a healthy attitude for a baseball team going into a season. I really don't think that. You know what I mean? Like, just in terms of where the expectations are for one particular manager who has, by the same token, is the same reason why apparently people want to come here. It's because they win something every year. Like, it's a difficult, you know, it's a difficult thing for this team right now to, sort of figure out what you're going to publicly say about what's acceptable and what's not because, well, this has been acceptable the whole time, you know? So what's different? It's pretty interesting. I mean, not much is different. The expectation is still there. So it's – and that's the same thing with Dave Roberts. If Dave Roberts loses again, he shouldn't be here. I, I think that's pretty clear on my oh, end. Okay. All right. That's, that seems pretty harsh to me, but, you know. No, he should have been gone last year. It's not harsh. Okay, who do you want to get? I was going to say, not, who do you, not a, who's your placing? Not, it's it's uh, always about who you're going to get because, when you fire somebody. That's the whole somebody, reason why people don't do it. Baseball, but baseball is a totally different sport. Let's get into this on the other side because there's, yeah. there's a lot more to it. 710 ESPN. Happy Friday, kiddos. The Big CY Corporate Greg in for Mason in Ireland here on the Friday before Christmas. So here's the deal. Hold on. There we go. Um, I'm going to read some social media stuff because they're talking about what we were talking about, which is where is expectation management here? And some of the people from, you know, admittedly the COT, whatever, they're my friends. Shouts to uh, the VP of the HMC. He says he's kind of with you, Greg. Dave has lost his touch from the 17 to 20 seasons. If they get to the World Series and win slash lose, keep him because he took them that deep. If they go out in the first or second round, he's gone. I get that. All I'm saying, Greg, is at a certain point when you've got that much talent, I mean, how much is your manager really doing anyway if you have a situation like, say, what happened, I don't know, just this past season where the bats go out? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not something the manager can help, Greg. No, it, it absolutely is not. However, there are things that can be put squarely onto Dave, so that I think that's some of the things that we're talking about. If the bats just go cold, then that's, a, that's their fault. Like, 
both Mookie Betts and uh, Freddie Freeman totally went cold, and that was a huge problem. But they were also down for for nothing at the end of every inning. It seemed like every first inning, so it was it was they were trying to come back from it. Um, I think that leaving a guy like Lance Lynn in a must win game in sure. as long as he left him in is a Dave Roberts decision that is a fireball offense in a must-win game allowing somebody to to give up four home runs in a row is a problem. I mean, I think there was a batter in between some in a couple of those places. There was places. a batter in between, yeah. but I, I mean, I get the, what the you're saying. The fact of the matter is still the same. I just think that the the job of the manager in my opinion, oftentimes is again, managing the humans and the egos in the room and I don't know that with a lineup like this, with the type of humans you're dealing with in the clubhouse, I, I don't know how many guys better than Dave Roberts there are. Now, sure, it might be convenient to look to him as a scapegoat. Not, maybe not as a scapegoat, but as the reason why certain successes hasn't been, haven't been had. But again, he's won a World Series. And not a lot of managers of a lot of other teams can say that at all. I don't care how long the season was. And at some point, the players have to be responsible for this. And at some point, you also have to look at how you're choosing to build your team. If a squad like the Diamondbacks can get hot and make a run, and you can blame the schedule all you want, but they play a different brand of baseball, they're not necessarily the same kind of team that the Dodgers are. At some point, you have to sort of self-evaluate and say, is it really just a matter of who's calling the shots, who's making the lineup, or is this something about how the kind of the way that we're putting together our team that just isn't working when it counts? So I think it can be fair to say that over 162 games, the manager wins and loses you five to ten games like it doesn't it doesn't really matter he puts out the lineup card that's all that happens mm, yeah when, okay i don't think he i don't think he makes that much of a difference so whoever you get in is going to come in and if you clinton yates became the manager of the dodgers for this next year they're still winning 100 games like okay. they're still winning 95 games that's going to happen but in the playoffs in the shorter series when you only have seven games and you have to make much quicker decisions, those decisions get scrutinized much, much more. So you start looking at what they're actually doing. And from over these last eight, seven, eight years, whatever it happens to be, his we can point to specific decisions, not off the top of my head, but specific decisions. It was like that's why they lost games. So at some point, and it's it it's not fair to say put it all in the manager, but at some point you'd kind of just need a new voice in the room because that one clearly isn't getting through. Some of us don't think that the voice in the room that needs to change is Dave, but that's just me. I mean, so who what else is, what is the voice in the I just don't room think that, that the way they be. put this team together, it's they feel like they're playing fantasy baseball. I think that's a lot of what Friedman is doing is that wow. throwing a lot of cash at guys to get the most expensive options on the market. Who are they throwing a, cash at? I'm besides, sorry, besides, spent a billion dollars no, on kids. That's bro. two what guys are talking from, about? from here. That's this year. Otani and Yamamoto were bought. But yeah. before that, they traded for Mookie Betts. They yeah. Atlanta said, "We don't want you anymore, Freddie Freeman. We want okay. Matt Olson." And they and they just I, went I'm out not, and got I'm him. Not, I don't I'm think not they're talking about that. I'm talking no, about I'm... the moves, like for example, always trying to find guys off of scratch. Like the development hasn't happened. I think the way that a lot of Dodgers teams typically have had, which is why you've got guys like the J.D. Martinez's and the guys like the Haywards that are coming off of other things that are, sure, they're nice parts to have, but ultimately that's just not what you want. I mean, I think they need some grittier guys is what my point is. And that's a separate discussion, not exactly, but kind of. And all I'm saying is this, is that this season for the Dodgers, I think it's going to be really tough to realistically expect them to win the World Series. I mean, you got a new team for Shohei. you got a pitcher coming in making that kind of money that's acclimating to the league. If you're going to fire a manager after trying to co- co- cobble all that together after one offseason, a really bad way to go out, that's that's really tough. And I'm not sure. Again, it's really difficult for me to entertain fire the manager talk 
when you don't have somebody else, when one doesn't have somebody else in mind. So that's the critical part of this. Baseball is a weird sport. Like we were just saying, you can come in, go in and manage this team to 100 wins. So it's not about who it is. You never know who it's going to be. It could be somebody in the minor leagues we've never even heard of that's been just been then just been coming up. It could be a, a manager, a bench coach from somewhere else that I'm just not aware of. I don't have that specific name. Okay. But this is something where Dave Roberts has been the head coach that for or the manager, excuse me, for a very long time and has has gotten one World Series out about it with a team that consistently wins. 100 games at some point there's an issue that's going on there so it's not so much of this year it's it's championship or bust and that's it for him it's a it's a combined year long few years that of, of a thing it's not just this year we're not saying fire him for because of what happened here it's fire him for a confluence of things so the bust is firing dave roberts okay so so what is your so February, who, excuse you, me, you, december 22nd 140 p.m Greg wants Dave Roberts <laughs> fired if I, there is no commissioner's trophy riding down, I don't know, let's I think just say La Brea in mean, a parade. It, I think it depends on what happens. If they go to the World Series, that's totally different than – and they lose in seven games. That changes the way you you look at everything. Okay. Baseball's still weird in the playoffs, so it's not just so black and white of this is what yes or no. I think it all depends on what the year looks like. So, But if you're saying it's not Dave Roberts, who are you saying it is? Because it's not I, Andrew Friedman. I, I, I mean, I, th- I do think it's a lot of it with Andrew Friedman, he's, and I also just feel he's like— He's not going anywhere, though. I, I didn't say he was. I also—I mean, this is part of my general idea, too, that the idea of championship or bust is just a generally unrealistic sort of method to operate a franchise on because, hello, they're just not that good. Nobody is that good. And so that's where my question comes in is, what is a reasonable expectation once these numbers start getting so large that even the average human being who, let's just say, I don't know, might buy season tickets— might like to watch the team on TV, might like to get out once a month. You know what I mean? Like, what is that person who's looking at this now as before? Okay, the Dodgers were a pretty good team night in and night out. And now you've got a season worth of fever pitch, I, I don't know, sort of intensity that I'm not necessarily sure helps anybody in this situation. Greg, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I don't know that putting that kind of pressure cooker on this next season is what's going to motivate this team by any stretch of the imagination. I really don't. Okay, so you don't, and I, I appreciate that, but I think the general public and the, and all the talking head shows and you guys talking on Around the Horn all the time are going to say, be saying, is this team a disappointment if they lose? And then, then all the noise gets larger and all the discussion on social media gets larger. So, so, But that's never affected anything to this point anyway. I don't think the Dodgers think that is what my point is. And this is what something Johnny I talks about a lot, which is, what is the actual measure of interest in winning for the Dodgers versus, sorry, I keep hitting my camera, versus making money, being popular, making sure that they're in it? I've seen this with plenty of franchises around the country before, and that's what I'm trying to sort of figure out here is do the Dodgers take this as seriously to can a guy like Roberts if they can't win at all to make a statement to the fans whom you are referring to? I don't think this is a franchise that does that. I really don't. Do we I, give I, them a year? I mean, because going to 2025 when you have all of your pitchers, yeah. like, sure. Do we give them that, like, buffer year to kind of see? Or it's, it's like, no. Nah. But then but then you're going into, there's a reason for this. It's like when you don't want to break up with your girlfriend or boyfriend because, like, oh, well, this, it, uh, the holidays are coming up. The I'll red flag. Then, oh, wait, no, now it's now we're getting into um, Valentine's Day. I got to hold off on it. And there's always something that pulls you back. Mm-hmm. You either mm-hmm. have to make the cut or not. I'll and say I think it this at some way. point, that's, that has to happen. What's the, I don't, I'll think, I think he'll finish out his contract that's what I think 
It, I don't think they're going to fire him before. There's, there might be a non-renewal if they don't have a ring by the time his next contract is done, but I don't think they're firing him before it is. I really don't. So, but I think the biggest thing that you said in there that you don't think that really that they're in it for the wins. They're in it to just you know sell merch, merchandise and do all and make it um, seem like fun. I do think that there's a large part of the Dodgers that are a big time money making entity that is a priority on a level that excuse me, is not necessarily congruent with winning. They're not opposite remotely. They're just not necessarily as related, I think, as a lot of people uh, are kind of assuming they're willing to want to admit. I mean, you know this in how they present themselves. There's a lot of talk about the brand. There's a lot of talk about the history. There's a lot of talk about sort of who the franchise is, Um, you know, because the winning is not exactly something that is knocking anybody's socks off. So, yeah, I do think there's a part of the Dodgers that says we want to make sure that we have an entertaining product most primarily, and if we're in the tournament, so to speak, as in the playoffs, and we've got a shot. We've got a shot. A lot more teams operate that that way than people are willing to believe. Yeah, I think there's a little bit. Of course, they want to make money, but I don't think you go out and spend a billion dollars on two players if you don't want to win. Okay. I mean, you know, I do think that – I mean, we can get to this on the other side. Uh, I, we can get to this on the other side, but we've got Wheel of Questions coming up next. I do wonder how much the experience is going to change for Dodgers, Dodgers fans, and people that have been following this team for a long time. Wheel of Questions coming up next. I'm Clinton Yates. He is Corporate Greg. It's Mason in Ireland on ESPN 710. Look at my shirt if you're on YouTube. All right. right, Let's hear it. I'm going to take this one. And I... Yeah. So I had... um, I went to visit my mom, and she told my brother, can you please act your age <laughs> and i was like whoa so this got me thinking he? he's in his 30s okay he got her mad so you know she popped off a little bit right. latina mom <laughs> okay but this got me thinking if you did not know your age how old would you think you'd be this is a great question wow that is a good question i told you i had a good one <laughs> this all changed for me during the lockdown Like once we got to the pandemic and like all of a sudden life kind of came to a standstill and we weren't doing nearly as much in terms of moving about our houses, I mean, our our cities and our homes, and we were all just kind of stuck in our places, I felt like I aged a decade. Like I'm not even going to lie. Like my whole view on life sort of changed after that where I was like, I'm an adult now and I was 39 or whatever when that happened. You know what I mean? Like I was not a young man by any stretch of the imagination, but it completely changed my worldview on like how old I feel versus how old I actually am. I felt much younger in older age before COVID took over everything for sure. Yeah, I've I always felt young and now I no longer feel young. I don't know if it's because I have a kid that's 12 years old and, you know, she keeps me very busy and Uh it's like something I have to pay attention to. And also the amount of work, how often I'm at work. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel now if I didn't know my age, I would say I'm 73. (laughs) <laughs> nice. <laughs> I go I go through work. I go home. I watch Christmas movies or yeah. rom-coms right now. Nice. Love it. And then I go to bed somewhere between 9 and 10 and I wake up at 6 o'clock. I, my body wakes up at 5.30. I force myself to get up at 6. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm about 75. Wow. Okay, wow. Brian? I don't feel that old, but I, uh, could, I could pass for 50. It's kind of <laughs> tough. I feel like I kind of uh, falter on both sides, but I feel like I'm – probably more to the younger age besides going out but like i'm up all, i'm up late i'm eating late i still like the video game okay yeah I, that's yeah, good yeah. go so, out and have some beers 
I'll give you this. When I actually go out and I go do something, uh-huh. I feel 25. Okay. But if it's a normal day, it's 73. See, That's interesting. Yeah. So the partying is what, see, that I'm, I'm probably the opposite. Like, if I've got work stuff and I know I've got obligations, things that are bringing me money, for lack of a better term, oh, I can move. You know what I'm saying? But if I'm out here just goofing off with my friends, partying, it's like once that social battery drains or I hit that wall, I'm like, yo, I'm out. I'm going home immediately. Yep. I've turned into a pumpkin. I'm no <laughs> longer in the streets. It's so, not happening. So when I, I go on a date, right, it's like if they... If it ends at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, I'm totally cool. But if it's any other day, if I don't, if I just go home, I'm out nine thirty, knocked day. out. Like sure. So if I have to be in the mode and out to to feel hmm. alive. That's so for me, Old so man. for me, I'm I'm kind of like you, Clint. Like if it's about my money, I don't care. I might have not slept. I slept thirty minutes, but I'm right. ready to go because I need to get paid. But if I'm going out, I've been making plans, and that day I'm like. I don't feel like going out anymore. So I'm I'm currently 35. I'm very comfortable saying my age. Right. And I feel like in my 40s, late 40s, early 50s some days, and I'm like, I shouldn't feel like that. I'm 35. Right. But I definitely think COVID had a lot to do with that. I definitely had a lot to do with that. You know what changed. I think? You know what I think about a lot too? And this is sort of related, but not the same. I think about what if I was born in like 40 years earlier. Like if I had gone to high school in like the 60s or the 70s, I think about this because I watch a lot of shows, not shows, but like movies from this era. I am convinced that if I had, like, let's just say, if I graduated from high school in 1970, I would have been a career criminal. I am, I am convinced. Like I watch all these old movies of like these guys and I'm like, clearly the criminals were just the smart dudes, you know what I'm saying, who just were kind of cool and didn't really want to deal with working for the government. That, that is where I think about my age all the time. It's like, if I had existed in a completely different decade, and I don't mean like way, way back, I mean like within reasonable pop culture times, like, you know, if I was my dad's age, for example, there's no way I'd be doing this. I would have been in jail or rich on an island not talking to anybody. Oh, that's, yeah. the, I'm convinced that's where I'd be. The whole sliding doors things, right? Like that's, <laughs> so it's what, where you want to, what decade you want to live in. I always wanted to live in the 20s so with, for the zoot suit era and all that kind of stuff. Then the depression <laughs> hits and then, you know, you don't want that part. The right. early stuff only. <laughs> I, I, no, listen, I love my life now. Don't get me wrong. I actually look upon this with some level of gladness that I was born when I was. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I, I always watch these flicks from back in the day or watch like Snowfall or whatever and I'm just like, bro, this doesn't seem like it would have been that hard to pull off. Especially back in the day when it wasn't like, I, I don't know, no Crime social media is different. No social media, no video cameras everywhere. Exactly. Oh yeah, you could exactly. That's why there was bank robberies back Ooh, in the day all the time. You would that's, be on them streets, guy. Okay. Yes. I know you guys. <laughs> yes. You wouldn't. You couldn't have. You could have convinced me that this would have been a reasonable. Have you seen that movie Dead Presidents oh, with Lorenz great Tate? Movie. You could have convinced me that that was a reasonable option, even if I wasn't a desperate veteran who was looking for cash. You know what I'm right. saying? It was just outsmarting people would have been fine by me. Totally fine by me. Absolutely. Anyway. I don't feel that old. I feel old enough. Rick said I can tell, 75. I can tell. Yeah, 75 is crazy. I can tell how old I am too also now by the amount of things that I see that are like relatively common knowledge for me because you just, you live on the earth for a certain amount of time that you know them and you remember them. And to other people, they're like, breakthroughs like i'll be watching tiktok and it's like did you know such and such and it's like about some person that was a contemporary when i was like in high school i'm like yes i do that that was the whole reason why anybody liked them like how am i how are people just now learning things that are a basic part of my knowledge that makes me feel older than anything so there's a guy on there that's on the tiktok that has uh um it's like i didn't know this until i was in my 30s 
And like, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he has, he has, yeah, he has a whole bunch of things. And I, every time I see him, like, I had no idea that was a thing. Not, <laughs> not a clue. Blows my mind. Yeah, always. <laughs> it's like he just to, random things in the kitchen. He creates things. I'm like, I can do that at any point. It's a, ama- it's amazing. What, like, what? Wait, hold on. What is? Is he giving you facts you know, about history? No, just no, not facts about history. Facts about things around your house that like are what? not used. So, do you, like can a, you think of one different, a uh, different way to open a package or something oh, like that, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. right way I've seen or yeah. some, right. Some, something like, like that. I've I seen wish I knew this one before I was in my thirties. And oh. you would do something, and you're like, I was this old when I found out. That's sure. what it's for, right? Like, is, if it's something with uh, the Capri Sun, have you seen that? Like, how you're supposed to put the straw in the Capri Sun the correct way? The correct way is in the bottom. I don't care what anybody that says. That is 100 yeah, correct. That's it's the, the easiest way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah. That's, Trying to get into that little hole with the tin foil that doesn't work. Right. No, but it, it it's it I, 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 I wasn't back. thinking about that. I was thinking about more so like particularly when like older people. This is this has happened to me a couple times. Like people who were old when I was young. And they pass away and people are like, oh, I had no idea they had dated such and such. And you're like, yeah, like, oh, right. You weren't born when that happened. You have no idea that was real. That kind of stuff makes me feel old. Like if I go to the basketball court and I can't play because my knees just won't deal with it, that doesn't make me feel old. That makes me feel smart. But when there's stuff that are the basics of my knowledge level that are just completely clueless to everybody else, I'm like, good God. Am I like a Jedi? I've been around for way too many years. (laughs) Too long. That's right. And by the way, Clinton. Yes. I can now see you on the YouTube. I know, right? You are Got right there in a, grill. in a red Christmas sweater. I'm mad yeah. I didn't bring my ugly Christmas sweater now. I didn't think about it. It's not, well, mine isn't ugly. It looks adorable. Okay, That's the but idea. you know what so, I mean. Anyway, coming up, we are going to discuss whether or not we think the Dodgers' in-game experience is going to change for guys like you and ladies like you too, those just listening, Joe the Fan. I'm Clinton Yates. He's Corporate Greg Bergman. This is Mason in Ireland on ESPN 710.